You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, Episode 171, The Life of Sam Adams, Part 1. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, there was a long time in my life where I was unfamiliar with the fact that Sam Adams had anything to do, or maybe did or didn't, we'll talk about it, with beer, and was so incredibly confused when I was like, why is this historical guy getting wrapped up in beer? And <laughs> now I know, and we'll get there eventually. But uh, Sam Adams, Samuel Adams, guy, born in Boston, father of the American Revolution. Let's talk about him. Yeah, let's do it. So Sam Adams is born in Boston in uh, whenever Massachusetts was part of the British colonies. And this would have been back in like 1722, so the early part of that century. And he's actually one of 12 children that were born to Sam Adams Sr. and Mary Adams. And only three of them actually lived past their third birthday just because of the high rate of infant mortality and all the diseases and stuff that that were there with the lack of medicine at the time. So he had uh, 11 brothers and sisters, but only two ended up living uh, past their third birthday. Yeah, and they were Puritans. Just in case you don't know what a Puritan is, Puritans were very big into the thought of we can purify the Anglican church, and that didn't really go over very well. So they were Puritans, (laughs) and... We could have like a religious uh, conversation. That would be kind of interesting because they were members of the Old South Congregational Church. And it's really interesting to take a trip up to New England and see some of the history behind these churches and, you know, all the schisms and splits and, and so on throughout history. Every now and then you'll see a church and then the church next door that actually split from the previous church and so on. But anyway, uh, the Adams family, they were not, not that Adams family, this Adams family and not John Adams family, but the Samuel Adams family, but they were cousins. The John Adams family. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, anyway, Samuel Adams senior, <laughs> he was uh, a deacon in the church and we're just going to call him Deke. Okay. Instead of getting all the Adamses confused and the Samuel Adams is confused. We're, we're going to call Samuel Adams, the father of Samuel Adams, Deke. Sound good? <laughs> that reminds me of King of Queens. Yeah, Sorry it does. Sorry aside there, but it does. Uh-huh. Anyway, so Deke was a leading figure in Boston politics, and he became very active in an organization called the Boston Caucus, and they promoted candidates who supported um, 
causes that were popular at the time. So Deke rose up through the political rankings and becomes a justice of the peace, uh, becomes a member of the Massachusetts House of Representatives. Uh, he works with individuals from the, the popular parties of the time and becomes known as the Whigs or the Patriots. Uh, the popular party was, you know, at the time, uh, more about the people. And then it later becomes known as the party we know as more about the people at the time was the Whigs. So Sam Adams, the younger Sam Adams, not Deke, goes to the Boston Latin School. And then he ends up going to Harvard in 1736. And his parents are both kind of wanting him to be a pastor, to be a minister. And... Um, Sam's like, you know what, I'm actually less interested in that than I am in politics, so therefore I'm going to go into politics. That's my goal, at least. So he graduates in 1740 and goes on to earn a master's degree, and uh, he already starts in his, uh, in his thesis for his master's degree talking about resistance and about, you know, kind of uh, bucking the powers that be. And uh, he's very oriented towards the rights of the colonies and the, the members of those colonies. So just like that, he's going to get into politics and he's going to start some problems. Yeah. So he was greatly affected by his father's involvement in uh, some controversies dealing with a land bank. And uh, what it boils down to with this banking controversy is that you've got the merchants and they are in need of loans and they're handing over uh, different collateral pieces and they're um, doing commerce as you would with a bank. Like we take it for granted that, you know, common people participate in banking and his dad was very much of, you know, local control and so on. And the government didn't really like this. So Parliament dissolves this land bank in 1741, and uh, the directors, including the Deke, became liable for this currency that they had published or printed, Basically, Parliament's saying, pay up, buddy. Your paper money is worthless. And this essentially takes a lot of property and wealth away from the Adamses. So Deke passes away, and Sam, a young Samuel Adams is still defending the family estate from seizure by the government. And this further emboldens Samuel Adams to want to stand up to British power over the colonies. So after Harvard, Adams is not really sure what he wants to do. Uh, at one point, he had considered a lawyer, being a lawyer. And I think I make this little joke every time, but I always say, like all good politicians, he started out as a lawyer. <laughs> well, I'm, maybe the reason Sam Adams is never president is because he wasn't a lawyer, but I guess we'll never know that. So anyway, he decides... Yeah, I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm going to go into business instead. So he ends up working at a counting house, and uh, he's working for Thomas Cushing there. And Thomas Cushing says, you know, you're actually a decent guy, but you're way too preoccupied with politics to, to really do me any good, to, to become a good merchant in this industry, in this field. So uh, he 
is gone. He's not at the county house anymore. And uh, Deke had left Sam a thousand pounds to go into business for himself. And a thousand pounds in the 1740s is a lot of money. So Adams is like, well, okay, I'll start a business, but my buddy needs some money. So I'll lend him about half of this and um, the other half of it. Well, I, I need to, you know, I probably need like a new bicycle or something. So uh, he fritters that away as well. And he just ha- was always kind of known as somebody who was uninterested and and having money. He, he didn't really worry about it. It wasn't something that was a driving, motivating force to him. But he apparently wasn't real smart with it either. Yeah. And so there he is without money. And Deke decides, hey, come over here, Samuel. Uh, I'm going to make you a partner in our malt house. And um, this is right next door to the family home. And you got to understand that for several uh, generations, the Adamses were maltsters. And this gets confused a little bit because, well, there's a beer called Sam Adams, right? Samuel Adams. But mm-hmm. the real Samuel Adams, he wasn't a brewer. They produced the malt that was necessary for brewing beer. But go figure. So it's marketing. That's what you need to know about <laughs> craft beer now. It's all about marketing. So anyway, he does that. And, um, you know, years later, a poet, he was making fun of Adams and he called him Sam the Maltster. So there's your history. There's your beer history for the, for election college. <laughs> and uh, in January 1748... Adams and some of his friends were furious because they were learning more and more about some of the British shenanigans, including impressment. We've talked about impressment. If you haven't listened to any of those episodes, really what you need to know is the British would basically take anybody that they wished and they would say, Hey, you're a part of our Navy. And, um, he really, became bolder and bolder about his opposition to colonial rule. So Deke passes away in 1748 and Samuel is given the responsibility of managing all the family affairs. And we've mentioned that this included some of the debts that were accrued by Deacon and his banking expositions. Well, in 1749 in October, he marries Elizabeth Checkley who is actually his pastor's daughter. And over the next seven or so years, she gives birth to six children, but only two live into adulthood. Uh, One of them is named Samuel, and the other is named Hannah. In 1757, uh, Elizabeth has um, a stillborn son and passes away as well. Uh, So Adams remarries in 1764 to a woman named Elizabeth Wells, and they don't have any children together. So Adams, uh, at this point, kind of says, well, I guess I'm going to get into politics now because that's what I've been passionate about for so long. And he was elected to his first political office in 1747 and was one of the clerks there at the Boston Market. Uh, You know, Jason, this is unrelated, but I've never eaten at the restaurant called Boston Market. You haven't? Ever. 
Never. You know, it's delicious, and it's too bad that they had to close so many stores way back when. But anytime uh-huh. I go, I shouldn't be plugging them too much because we're not getting ad dollars. <laughs> but it's really good. Well, it, it's just funny because there there's only been one time, and I'm a guy who likes to try new things, but there was one time where I was sitting in one of those kind of you know debates between my wife and I of where do you want to eat? I don't know where you want to eat. So we're sitting in the parking lot of a Boston market. Like I guess we'll eat here. And I thought I've never eaten here, therefore I don't know if I'm going to even like it. So I don't want to go here. And that's totally not my character, but that's the story of Boston market. Uh, apparently, I mean the thing is, is you can totally go to Costco and buy a whole rotisserie chicken for five bucks, which uh-huh. you get you know a thigh and a leg for eight bucks at Boston market, but. It is a lot better. Yeah. But see, I didn't even know that Boston Market sold chicken. So oh, yeah. That tells you how much I know. It's quite yeah. delicious. <laughs> we don't have any in, in our area anymore, not that I know of. So, um, right. Yeah, it's quite a treat. But huh. I'm hungry for chicken. Well, <laughs> uh, Sam is there at the Boston Market. And in 1756, the Boston Town Meeting, which is an organization, not just an actual meeting, elects him to the post of being a tax collector, which, you know, this is a little bit of money and it's also a public service. So he goes ahead and goes for it. But the problem was he didn't always collect the taxes, which was his job. So everybody likes him a whole lot because, you know, he's not going out and, you know, knocking on people's doors trying to get their money. But he's liable for the shortage. So if he's responsible for say let's let's just use round numbers collecting $1000 or 1000 pounds but he only collects 200 of it. He's responsible for the other 800. So by 1765 he's more than 8000 pounds behind and he is responsible for all of that. Yeah. Not exactly the guy who you want in charge of anything having to do with money. I do appreciate the sentiment, though, because, you know, even like in biblical times, you know, the tax collectors, they were pretty awful. You know, their reputations were terrible. Yeah. And then you had this deal where tax collectors could, you know, do the markup and keep whatever spoils were, you know, above and beyond what the government was requiring. And yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of a tax collector who actually lost money in the deal, but... <laughs> Whatever, right? All we need sure. to know is that he still resented Great Britain. And uh, by the time 1764 rolls around, the Sugar Act comes. And Adams sees this as an infringement of longstanding colonial rights. And this is where you get the whole idea of taxation without representation. And so... The town leaders in Boston, they all get behind Adams, who is very much saying, we are not going to pay taxes to this government who has absolutely no authority over us. The parliament can only speak for what's going on in Britain, not what's going on in the colonies. You are disrupting us, and we are sovereign over here. And of course, Great Britain felt otherwise. So as you know, other things were happening in the subsequent years. You had the Stamp Act, which we have talked about. And 
the Townshend Acts in 1767. So basically, you need to go back and listen to our previous episodes, but Britain keeps on going, time after time, trying to mess with the colonists, and Sam Adams ain't going to take it. And that is where we are going to pick up on the second half of Samuel Adams's life. If you want to support the podcast, please head over to Patreon. You can go to electioncollege.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N and sign up there to be a supporter. You can do that for as little as 11 cents per episode, which is like a buck a month. Or you can go a little higher and even get a couple extra episodes per month. We'd be happy to, to give them to you. Yeah, and always, we appreciate your nice comments and your reviews and all that happens on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Election College. And if you would, if you're listening to us in iTunes, please do hit that subscribe button. It helps the podcast so much. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review while you're there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time for part two of Sam Adams. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.